Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story Blender. I'm Stephen James, and this is where great storytellers share the secrets to great storytelling. My guest today is a man of humility, and he would be the last person to ever tell you so. He writes gritty crime novels that will take your breath away. He's wicked smart and a wicked good writer. Adam Hamdi is a Sunday Times, Kindle, and international best-selling author and screenwriter. He writes the Scott Pierce series of contemporary espionage thrillers and has written two private uh, investigation books with James Patterson. He's the author of the Pendulum Trilogy, Trilogy of Conspiracy Thriller Novels, and James Patterson described Pendulum as one of the best thrillers of the year. Adam's books have been named best book in many different lists, and he's won different awards uh, throughout the, uh, both nationally and internationally. Prior to embarking on his writing career, Adam was a strategy consultant and advised global businesses in the medical systems, robotics, technology, and financial service sectors. So, Adam, that was quite um, an introduction, but uh, I built you up quite a bit there. But uh, anyway, it's fantastic to have you on the show, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for having me, Stephen. It's wonderful to be here. And uh, I don't know who that guy is, but he sounds uh, quite formidable. Oh, funny. So when I was writing my notes, I have to say, I was thinking, okay, I want to say my guest today is a man of great humility, and he would be the first person to tell you so. And I thought, wait, there's something wrong. <laughs> there's something wrong yeah. with that, that letter or that that line or something. But um, yeah, my, but, my, my, my only flaw is my modesty. That's the old joke. <laughs> there you it? go. That's it. Um, um, well, it's fantastic to have you now. Um, You've written, uh, you know, quite a number of books and just you pray lots of people love your books from both sides of the of the ocean. I know you worked, uh, you lived in England for a while and wrote from there in UK and and also you've um, you've been to the US. We met at a conference. I believe it was at a Thriller Fest conference a number of That's years great. ago. And um, so I'm really uh, just honored that you would join join me here today and chat about story and storytelling. Oh, and um it's yeah, it's a privilege to be here. And, uh, you know, given some of the guests you've had on, it's an absolute honor to be uh, on your show. Wonderful. Well, let's dive in and talk a little bit about twists and turns. Great stories very often have sort of plot twists or turns or wherever you're all of a sudden reading, you're saying, what? I didn't expect that. And then then when you look at it more carefully, closely, all of a sudden you see that scenes earlier had deeper meaning embedded into them. And now you say, oh, I should have seen that coming. And so one of the aspects of your stories is they're known for having some of these moments where readers would get to them and find satisfaction, but also surprise. And I was just curious, when you're developing your stories, um, are there specific elements that you're trying to include in the story to build up to these types of moments, or do they come naturally as you as you uncover the story? Um, I think in the most part, um, I'm going to pause actually just to apologize to your listeners uh, because I'm currently sitting in the uh, in Mauritius and there's a bird in a tree 
that's going to stop in a moment when the sun goes down. But you might be able to hear it whistling consistently in the background. So if it's irritating, I, I apologize for nature on behalf of nature. <laughs> you um, know, but, that's fine. But, no, that's I think that's cool. But, I actually but, had um, my window open here a few minutes ago and I was talking to my producer and I could hear some birds out my window. And she's like, I think you should leave your window open. That would have been interesting to have the two, yeah, birds from Tennessee. Yeah, let's see if they speak the same language. <laughs> I wonder if they would have. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but um, yeah, coming back to your question, I I try to um make those sort of twists uh organic and really rely on the character and what's happening to them to um, you know, to make make the surprises feel authentic, to make those twists feel authentic, and. You know, I, I always say there's nothing more surprising than in real life. You know, there are things that happen in real life. If you put them in a novel, you would never believe them. You just <laughs> there are things that have happened to me. You just I, I I couldn't I couldn't write about because no one would believe it. Hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I think um, the the key thing for me is always is does it feel authentic, and and is it occurring? It doesn't have to be. Um, you know, kind of completely natural, but is it authentic to the character? Is it authentic to the to the world that you've created? I really love some of the things you just said, actually. Just actually, the idea of it being honest and authentic. And I, I, I think sometimes twists and, and character things kind of do feel contrived. They feel like, oh, that wasn't authentic to the character, but I get it that you were trying to include that because that's how you were building up your twist or something like that. Yeah. I, I think, I think in general, publishers have gone into this, you know, kind of for this trend of it being all about the twist hmm. because it's really easy to market. And there's, I just, you see so many books nowadays with the twist you won't see coming as part of the subheading <laughs> when you see the Amazon listing, you know, and and actually, I think what people crave are just exceptional stories. Hmm. It's not necessarily about the twist. It might be about the characters. It could be the plotting. It could be, you know, the the tone. You know, the, the, but, but readers are uh, they want to be transported. They want to be taken away, um, made to feel something, made to think, be entertained, whatever it is. And I think if if we offer one note as storytellers and rely only on twists and being clever um i think we're going to be letting our readers down i think we have to be looking at, at really rich experiences and and for me that's what i'm trying to do now is to try and deliver a rich reading experience so the author the, the reader is just immersed um in the novel now i've read um some of your newest novel and i feel like that's a good way of describing um your story is is um really immersive but also um uh, you know kind of atmospheric where we read it and we are transported to another place um i feel like sometimes people are really good at storytelling um naturally uh, and some people are really good at wordsmithing naturally in other words they come up with these amazing sentences and descriptions you're like man that i wish i hadn't thought of that um but maybe storytelling itself is a more of a struggle other people, and I would say that's probably me, I'm more of a natural storyteller, like that comes naturally. But when it comes to getting all the right words, all the right mood, that takes me a, that takes me a lot. 
um, to really edit it. What, what is it for you? Would you say one of those is more natural uh, for you in your writing? Uh, does maybe one take a little bit more work? Um, I think when I started out, I found the storytelling easiest and the sort of craft of language harder. Hmm. And that was what I would work at more. And I also didn't know what I was doing. And that sounds strange. You have a published book. And I think sometimes readers, when you say this, can be surprised that authors are just learning as they go. You learn so much, you know. And actually, I didn't really feel that I knew what I was doing as an author until book four. And that's where I really, yeah, I really started to think, oh, actually, okay, I understand this now. And so many things clicked for me in that book. And one of the things was simplicity is king. And it doesn't mean that the language can't be beautiful and, and elegant and, and, and all the things that we aspire to. But it's, it's, it's this idea that the strongest structures are the simplest structures, you know, the circle, the pyramid, you know, these are the strongest things. And so overly intricate plots that, are, you know, don't feel um, authentic. I'm not going to say realistic because if you're in sci-fi or fantasy, there's nothing realistic about those worlds, but they feel authentic within the context of their own designs. So, um, you know, overly contrived things just don't sit within, they, they can sit wrong for, for a lot of readers. So, you know, simplicity and also not trying to prove how clever you are as an author, I think yeah. is a big thing people need to learn. It's like, don't try and impress the reader. That, that's not what they're picking up your book for. They don't want to know that you're the smartest author or the best author, or the most colorful language, or the, you know, that your prose is amazing. They want you to tell them a great story. Hmm. And so if you can do that and at the same time weave in the kind of beautiful language that we all love, and, and actually the purpose of the beautiful language is just, for me, it's about how can you most efficiently conjure up an image in the mind? And I know this is going to, appeal to you because we spoke a little bit before about the oral tradition of storytelling this was all about sitting around a campfire and telling that story maybe for your meal or you know to entertain the the tribe um this is where storytelling came from and what you're actually trying to do is you're trying to use language as an intermediary for emotion hmm. and thought it's it's like in your brain when you conjure an image you can, you know, there are scientific studies that show you can do it without words, that you can conjure an image with someone who has a completely different language from you. But you're building a picture, a scene, an emotion, characters in your mind. And the author's job is to try and get what's in here to the reader in the most powerful way possible. And that's where the use of language and the craft and the, you know, concise imagery, you know, potent use of words that's where that comes in and that's what i've been focusing on more um in recent books so i feel probably like you that the storytelling is more natural to me um and that the the language is where i'm putting effort to make sure that everything's kind of working and doing what it what it needs to do i love how you co come back again and again to the idea of authentic that we step out of the way um, and we're not trying to impress readers. We're not trying to show off. We're actually trying to get out of the way so that they can be immersed in the story and, uh, and have these honest moments. Um, and I, you know, over the last couple of years, just to be, you know, kind of forthcoming, I have really started to just look for those moments in stories that I read. 
I'll read something. Maybe someone says, oh, could you look at this chapter or whatever it is? And so, or even a book, someone might say, could you blurb this book? And, and that's fine. So I'll read and, and I'll read and, and suddenly something will strike me. And I'm like, that is honest. And so I've said to some students, like at some writing conferences, I'll like read their chapter. I'm like, okay, Ed, page seven, second paragraph, that's honest. And I'm like, what about the rest of it? Well, that's honest, you know, I'm not trying to make them feel bad, but it's like when we find those, those things, those moments, I feel like those are the ones that speak um, most deeply to readers. Definitely, definitely. It is that. And actually, I think part of the skill of an author as you develop and build a career is learning how to listen. Hmm. And it, it sounds really weird to people who don't write. But there's a certain amount of letting yourself go. And as you said, get out of the way as the author. And I I said to um, somebody uh, recently that actually, you know, a lot of authors will spend ages trying to find their voice. And then when you found your voice, the next trick is to lose it. You have to get out of the way and let the character speak. You have to get out of the way, let the character speak, let 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 the work speak, let the book set its own tone its own um pace it's you know the, the the most authentic plotting the most authentic portrayal of the story and that's when you i think move from being a really great you know proficient storyteller to being someone you know who's doing something really special um whether people <laughs> like what you're doing is is a different question because that all comes down to reader tastes and how sure. well your books are marketed and that sort of thing but I think that is sort of the goal for for authors is actually, you know, when you get to the point of finding your voice, now try and lose it. Try and let the work speak. I've never heard that before, but I love that. That's, you know, that's uh, a great way of of looking at it. I think one time when I was um, teaching, I guess I said something like, the key is not just to ask what your characters would do, but what they would do if you got out of the way. And we kind of keep coming back to this idea. Yeah. Now, to people listening, they might say, okay, wait, wait, I don't even understand what you're talking about because, like, you're the writer. Like, how do you get out of your own way? And what does it mean when you're writing a novel, which is fiction, you just made up? What does it mean when you're saying, be honest? What, is, what are you guys even talking about? How, how would you answer some of those, those natural questions people might have? So, um, I mean, the simple way of putting it is authors, fiction writers are the biggest liars in the world, right? (laughs) Most of them, I know, are very truthful in their personal lives. So don't take that the wrong way. But when it comes to your work, your whole, the basis, the foundation of what you're doing is a lie. It's a made up world with made up people. Um, It might be inspired by true events, might have people that you, you kind of base characters on people that you know, maybe. But in general, it's a lie. You are the biggest liar. <laughs> I'm the biggest liar. We're all the biggest liars in the world because our entire careers are spent lying to people. But within those lies, we have to believe them. It's like, you know, when you're, if you've ever been caught doing something bad and you go in and you're all shady and shifty and, and you come up with these all really big excuses, you're going to get found out. But if you believe that lie, if you own it, <laughs> And you find the authenticity of that lie, you'll get away with whatever you've done, you know. So it's the same, I think, with fiction. You have to believe it. It has to feel real to you. And it's that 
that's so important that's where you where you know where i think the authenticity lies it's it's it needs to be believable it needs to be plausible it needs to feel it needs to feel real to you and if it can feel real to you it can feel real to the reader and the same is true of characters you know when we talk about as you were saying it sounds weird you're going to get out of the way and let your characters have a voice your whole hope is that when people pick up the book they're not going to be thinking about you as the author anymore they're going to be thinking about you know whichever character it is it, 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 you know whether it's jack reacher or um you know james bond or alex Ryder or any of these great sort of thriller characters or you know great literary characters um you 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 want them to feel that they're real that they're living their lives and so in order to do that the author has to silence themselves and just give voice to the to the characters okay so have you ever had characters that when you're writing all of a sudden they say something or do something you're like i have no idea where that came from where, <laughs> where, where he's like i i guess i'll write it down because it seems like honest but i've had that happen when yeah. i'm writing and yeah. uh, you know yeah. it's like wow didn't see that coming so, I mean, I have looked into the science of this because this absolutely fascinates me. I love looking at how the science of creativity, how things come about. And you have this process running in your um, back of your mind all the time called the default default mode network, hmm. which is your it's, it's effectively a part of your brain. You might want to call it a subconscious, which is constantly processing information and trying to solve problems for you. And it's just running there in the background. Um, and so it's it's the reason why if you have a problem in life, you know, you'll often, I mean, Eureka, Archimedes and, you know, taking a bath and just suddenly standing up and shouting Eureka. That, that's that's true. You might go and have a bath. You might go for a walk or run. You'd be sitting doing nothing, doodling, and suddenly you've solved the problem. That's that network. It just takes things and processes them. And so I think for authors, effectively what's happening is your brain is inhabiting this world and sort of um, trying to figure things out for you. And you're you're effectively saying, solve this problem for me. Here's this person, here's the situation they're in. And I think that's why sometimes it can just feel like, whoa, where did that come from? It's actually, it's coming from you, but it's a different part of, of you. It's this kind of background brain, if you want to uh, figure out a term for it. I like it. Uh, so that's what I'll tell people from now on, whenever they say, yeah. where did that you come from? I, it's just my background brain, you know? You can actually see it on um, uh, MRIs. You can see it on magnet ma magnetic resonance imaging. You can see when it's working. You can see what it's doing. Um, they're, they're kind of unpicking the science of creativity, which I think, you know, for some people it's going to take away the magic, but actually I think it's really fascinating. I think, you know, you've probably had people ask you this all the time, most authors that I know, someone will say, where do you get your ideas or where do ideas come from? It's like one of the most common, you know, questions. And, you know, as an author, I always think I don't even know what to tell you because it's like um, the question is not what how can I come up with an idea? It's just like, how do I choose? Because there's so many like different avenues and ideas. And then there's this espionage book that you think this would be amazing. Oh, it's a crime novel you want to write. And so, yeah, I don't. I don't even know what to tell people when they ask that. So. that. That is the, that's the problem. I think, um, no. you know, for certain writers is you've just got too many ideas. You've got too many ideas and not enough time. And you, you're kind of conscious of the fact that 
<laughs> you have to be really selective. You're trying to choose what you think is the, the idea that you're going to have the best time with and also that readers are going to have the best time with. And it's it's actually quite difficult. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. The problem isn't coming up with ideas. The problem is that narrowing down process. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who is struggling for ideas, I would say pick up a newspaper, talk to people, go and do something you would never normally do. Go and do a poetry class, go and do a pottery class, go and do a canoeing uh, course, or you know, go and do something you would never do. I went and did a poetry class a couple of years back, and one of the women on the poetry course, it was a five-day residential course, she was um, an 82-year-old lady hmm. who had been the German ambassador to Czechoslovakia during the Cold War. And she was just full of stories of espionage and spying and just one of those people that you just can't believe that you're talking to. And um, and I met her because I went and did something different. And so, you know, that kind of thing is is where you're going to find your ideas from. Do something different. Keep interested in the world. I love it. That's good. Um, when I was looking through your website earlier, I found a description of your uh, Scott Pierce stories, and I'm just going to read it really quickly, and then just chat for a minute about him. I want to get to the new newest book here in a moment, but I loved how it says, "In a world where nothing is as it seems, where trust is gone, one man can make the difference." Meet X MI6 agent and man in exile, Scott Pierce. It's time to burn the espionage rule book. Watch Pierce light the fire. I'm like that's good. Whoever wrote that, maybe you or publicist, but I was like. I want to read that book now. As soon as I read that, I'm like, that's really good. Um, what I don't know what it's called, text or blur, yeah. blur, but yeah. yeah. Copy. Yeah. Copy. That's yeah. A, that's yeah, it's a good copy. Yeah. 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 No, that was a, a collaboration between my editor and uh and myself. Um, and the idea of burning the espionage rule book was something that was kind of at, at the heart of the the novel. And when yeah. I started working yeah. on this back in 2016. Nobody knew what was going to be unfolding in the world around us. And now we're living it. And and I mean, I was aware of it because I started tapping into some of these networks. And I'm not afraid to go and talk to people, quite often very scary people. Mm. Um, and, you know, I started speaking to a lot of very interesting people who were talking about coordinated campaigns that were not traditional espionage campaigns but we're looking at manipulating populations in Western countries mm. driven by, uh, shall we say, foreign bad actors. Mm -hmm. And of course, now we're seeing that all unfold. Um, we're seeing the kind of dirty money that's involved and the, um, the manipulation that's changed the nature of espionage. You don't have to deal with governments anymore. If you're a foreign uh, state and you want to influence events in a country you can do it directly through social media mm. so you know that's the kind of landscape that scott pierce operates in which is why that copy is particularly appropriate watch him light the <laughs> light the fire I'm like come on man that's that's good i always trying to come up with something that'll be interesting anyway you did fun mm -hmm. with that. So, well, tell us about your newest book, your latest release. I know you have some books that have come out in the UK and the US, maybe different times and different, um, you know, uh, issues of the, the packaging yeah. and so on like that. But uh, what's yeah. coming up or what's available, say, right now in the um, in the US that you so, love? Um, the, the, my new book, 
the other side of night uh publishes it was meant to be in two weeks but because of printing delays um which i think a lot of people are suffering from it's coming out on the 11th of october um in the us um it is well i'm going to read the blurb on the front there and i think you've actually spoken about this book as well <laughs> i think you probably that's right it, so. yeah so you, this i'm gonna read yours actually oh, let's fun. go for okay. it Hamdi <laughs> <laughs> mixes in just the right amount of mystery uncertainty and relational tension and brings them all simmering to delicious effect stunningly good writing that that is that's a gold standard blurb there i like that. that's really good uh, um so thank you for that i'm gonna say thank you but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a book about a disgraced police officer, Harriet Kilty, who's been fired from the force, and she finds a self-help book that has a message written in it, um, and the message is, "Help! He's trying to kill me." Hmm. And she just starts pulling at this thread. She's got nothing on in her life, and she um, she needs something, and she thinks that this might be her way back into the force. Uh, and her redemption and as she pulls on the thread she discovers that the main suspect is the man she thought was going to be the love of her life they met mm -hmm. each other um a year prior um but he ended their relationship and has now become strange is probably the simplest way to put it and um he's been put in the charge he's been put in charge of this young boy whose parents have um, died in mysterious circumstances and so the book is about harry pulling at these threads and trying to find out what's happened to the parents what's happened to the kid and what has happened to the man that she thought she once loved hmm. and it's a very unusual book um, in so many ways and it goes into um quite profound territory it's an emotional read and, you know i've had messages from advanced readers you know, loads from Instagram and Twitter, people just messaging me and saying, you know, this book broke my heart and, you know, it's changed me. And I, just really quite amazing kind of response that I, I dreamed it would have, but, you know, couldn't, could never have hoped for. So it's it's been really good. Well, it sounds like you did a good job of what we were talking about earlier, stepping out of your own way and writing a story that touches emotions. Um, that uh, that people read and they feel a, a deep, you know, connection, connection to. Um, now, you've also written screenplays. Um, and I was curious if the, if you've noticed, um, obviously, there's a little bit different in formatting and technique and so on like that between a novel and, and a screenplay. But but I was wondering if there were any storytelling principles between those uh, different um uh, media forms that uh, that you felt like were very universal so that something that a novelist might say okay this is something central to a great story but also a screenwriter might say you know what actually this is central to a great story and, the, and it's sort of the same ideas i'm gonna steal something from james patterson because i think it's really important um and you know we've written we're working on our fourth novel together at the moment and I've learned so much from him. And one of the things that he says is, you know, you might have as a person or a character, 10,000 scenes in your life, 
And your job is to pick out the hundred or so that best tell the story that you want to tell, the best showcase this character or the, and I think that's key. I think that's common to screenplays. I think it's common to novels. It's, it's how do you portray character and the, the films, you know, the movies that touch us the most are the ones where you, you feel that same thing we were talking about earlier. You, you, you don't actually feel that you're watching a movie. You feel like you're in the movie with the character. You either hate them or you love them. They might be your best friend or your worst enemy, but you <laughs> feel something about them. Yeah. And that starts on the page with the screenplay. And so it's all about how do you portray that character? How, 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 what's the best way um, to, to do that? And I think it was, I think it was Billy Wilder's script. I, I can't, can't be sure though. But basically, he talks about the fact that he was trying to show there was a husband who was playing the field and was being unfaithful and everything. And he had loads of dialogue as they, you know, they were having an argument as they were walking through a building. And, and he just said it was so heavy and labored and, and cumbersome. And in the end, he just had them walk into an elevator and the guy just looks down at a woman's skirt, hmm. like at, at her rear end. And that's it. That tells you all you need to know about who this husband is. Mm. And it's so quick and simple and powerful. And I think that's that's true in novels. It's true in screenplays. How do you best portray who this person is whilst keeping the action going? And that's the other thing that screenplays, you cannot have fat. You just cannot have fat. You're talking about things where you're going to spend millions, if not hundreds of millions. You, you can't have, uh, you can have, pacing you can have rhythm and calm but you cannot have excess and that's a really useful skill shaving it out so that uh, a couple things came to mind one is this idea of show don't tell it's just been around forever you know instead of telling us what they're thinking show it like what you it, the example you get this guy's checking out this other lady it's like oh we get it he's you know yeah playing the field like you said like yeah, but it's tempting to tell, and some people want to do both. Like they'll show him do that, and then they'll like tell readers, like, um, or or viewers or something like that. Like, let's say it was a book, yeah. and then they would show that happen, and then be like, he was checking her out, or someone was like, we don't need to be told that. We just we get it, and and so I mean, a lot of a great storytelling, I feel like, is trusting your audience. Um, so when we start a story, I always feel like it's super important to get them to trust us. Like they need to know they're in good hands, like the craft of the story early on, the word choice, the, the, the characterization so that maybe, I don't know how many pages in they're like, oh, okay, this I'm in good hands with this story. But then as we move through, we trust them. So we might include something where if we had an early on in the book, they might say, what is that all about? But later on, they're like, well, I know. This guy or this lady, this storyteller knows what they're doing. And so I'm going to trust that this has meaning, even though it may, may not be explained. What, what's your thought about that? Like early on, we th they need to trust us. And later on, we need to trust them. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of, of putting it, particularly if they're not familiar with, the, with your writing. You know, mm -hmm. you need them to, you need to draw them in. You need to draw the reader in and you need them to, to feel confident that it's worth the investment. We're living in a world where you can download 5 million books immediately and you can watch 5 million TV shows or movies immediately. You know, like 
you, we have limited time. We're never going to watch everything that's out there. We're never going to read everything that's out there. So time is precious and readers need to know that it's worth their while picking up your book. And so you demonstrate that, as you said, in the first uh, couple of chapters, the first few chapters, and then you give them a ride, you give them an adventure. And the way you do that is you make it not unsafe for them. You think about a roller coaster. If you, if it's like gentle, uh, you know, you get bored of it, right? You're just like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. It's dull. No, you you make the steepest inclines you can and the bravest turns and loop the loops and everything. That's how you make somebody excited and alive and thrilled. And, and so that's what you need to do with your writing. You need to make it feel unsafe, I think. You need to make it feel like, oh, is this going to hold together? Is it going to come together well? And one of the things that I'll say is study poets, study poetry, look at what they do. There's so much power in the spaces between the words with with how they make you think and how they conjure up imagery in four or five words per you know per line it may even be a word per line but they're giving you that space that that time to think and to process and to build that imagery and so you know that is the ultimate case of trusting your reader hmm. is 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 having that space is allowing them to um my dog has just arrived. One of them. <laughs> as long as the dog doesn't get into it with a bird outside, but this is the but, twist. He's the, the twist. twist. The twist. Yeah. What is that sound? What is that noise? There's something there. He's the All twist. of a sudden, you disappear off the screen. Wait, it's a, it's a killer dog. Uh, yeah, no. So yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think trust the reader. I know one time I was working on a description of a lady in one of my books, and I I worked on trying to describe what she was wearing and what she looked like, and and after a while it, it just fell apart. Like it didn't, it wasn't strong. I I and finally this line came to me. Um, she turned every step she took into a Spanish dance, and that's the only description I gave of her. Like I don't tell you how tall she is, what she yeah. looks like. But immediately yeah. when you're like, she turned every step she took into a Spanish dance, we're like, we can picture. I love that. Yeah. And we trust yeah. her. And and I think to me, that's like something like a word choice that I learned. Like I read poetry, same as you. And I feel like they do a great job of, of basically capturing images and so on in short ways that if once in a while, if I can capture that, I'm I'm just very thankful so yeah no i that's that's an amazing line i love that i love that and i'm not going to use it <laughs> but it's it, out you there know, in I one love, of my books i can't remember which book exactly of mine, but it's I, out I love what what i love and i'm sure this is the same for you because you i know you study the, the craft of storytelling so deeply i love hearing examples of what people have done and trying to pull it apart and look at the essence of it you know the spirit of of what's behind it and and so th these are all really useful lessons to be to be learning because they tell you what works and i think you're working on a book or you know you're publishing a book now about the art of uh, of storytelling and I, i'd love to hear yeah. more about that yeah basically this uh over the last few years i wrote, wrote a book called the art of the tale which um, actually just came out co-wrote it with a gentleman who's a novelist but also a world uh, renowned speechwriter. And so I thought it'd be fascinating to write a book on telling stories from my perspective as a storyteller and his as a speechwriter, 
And how can we help people to tell better, better stories? And I think we were talking about before we actually started that my view of story has changed over the years. It's fascinating. I have a master's degree in storytelling. I've taught storytelling for almost 30 years. Also wrote two books on writing, but only working on this book did my view of a story actually sort of change. Um, so that I don't look at story the way that I used to. It isn't that I was wrong. I feel like I was wrong. Um, but basically, since Aristotle, we've been looking at story through a temporal lens. Beginning, middle, end. First act, second act, third act. Which is fine. But I felt like we were missing something. That you can have that aspect of a story, but it might not superly impact people. So um, anyway, I not to get to take too long on this, but I came up with this idea of a cube, like a six-sided cube, and that these six aspects of story are vital to great stories. So the first four, every story has. Character, makes sense, got to have a setting we can picture, and then a struggle that the character is having, something to overcome, and a pursuit that they're on that they have specific desires and they're trying to pursue something. But if all you have is those four, it'll probably fall flat. You have a character who's doing something, something goes wrong, he fixes it. That's not much of a story. And so I felt like the two aspects that really are in great stories are the pivot, what I call the pivot, and the payoff. So the pivot is really where the story is going in one direction. Some people might call it a twist, but I kind of look at it as something maybe deeper where there's a moment where it's unexpected, but inevitable. Like it makes logical sense, but it takes us by surprise in a way that satisfies us. And I think if you look at all great stories, they have these moments. Maybe it's early, maybe it's at the end, you know, between the second and third act, if you look at things that way, or maybe in every scene, there are like these little pivots where you're like, did not see that coming, but that totally makes sense. And then there's payoff, which is more than the theme. It's really when you read the book, you feel that resonance. Like what you were talking about when people write to you about your latest book, they're like, this really impacted me. It had emotion. That's payoff. And so if as I've started looking at stories of any genre, any length, screenplays, novels, short stories, I feel like if you have these six, if you really focus on these six things and not worry so much about what the first act or second act, when things happen like that thinking through the pursuit. So that's my, that's my new perspective. That's in, in a nutshell, if you can create an, um, yeah, yeah. The pivot. Yeah. The pivot is like the one moment where I feel like you know it when you see it, it's hard to come up with sometimes, but, but great storytellers seem to naturally know those moments. And so I just, I've always loved story and I feel like I finally kind of, I'm understanding it on a different, you know, different place or different perspective than I ever did, you know, before. That's so cool. I'm going to go and order it tomorrow when I get. <laughs> yes. No, um, I appreciate it. That's great. So oh, we, will, we, will. We, we get everything out here. We just have to order it. It takes about two weeks to arrive. So, oh my uh, goodness. So that's amazing. Yeah. And um, I'll send you a photo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me ask you this. In closing, I have two questions I've started to ask people just as a way of wrapping up. Um, so the first one is this, what's one novel besides yours that everyone should read before they die? 
Is there one novel you can think of where you're like, before you die, everyone should read, read this book? I'm going to say Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. Hmm. Um, I just think it is a huge i mean a lot of people may be familiar with it because of the movie adaptation which didn't do it justice i think it was a really hard and there's no reflection on the filmmakers it's it's a really hard book to adapt um but uh it's such a ambitious hmm. novel in its scope and its scale and it has everything in it from action to crime to sci-fi to philosophy it is a monumental achievement and i think everyone will find something in there to appeal to them so that's the book that i would say everyone this has been fun asking people this because it really opens up my horizons to books that i haven't read yet and like whenever i ask guests i'm like all right I'm writing it down like i've got to check that check that book out and the last question is what is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self back when you were a teenager? <laughs> Is there is there any uh, thing that you've learned over the years that you wish that you could tell your teenage self? Can I? Oh, wow. <laughs> what can I tell my teenage self? Um, I would say don't worry. Just relax. And, and you know, life will sort of find its own path. You know, it will, I think I'll... Certainly for me, I came from quite a humble, you know, we didn't have much money in my family when I was growing up and I was always quite stressed and worried about it and how I would build a career and, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I think you just you just find a way. You, your necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. So um, I'd say just just relax. But then maybe the fact that I wasn't relaxed and worked really hard and strive for everything um maybe that's why partly why i'm sitting here now and able to talk about you know, all these books so i don't know i'm confused uh, <laughs> it's a paradox yeah <laughs> that's great well good so um hey um adam is there anything else you wanted to share closing words of encouragement or advice to any of our listeners out there i think if you're uh, you know if you're an author if you're aspiring um as an author I think, um, you know, I think that the, the the sort of big things are whether you're a planner or, or, or a plotter or a pantser or, or whatever, um, understand your work as well as you can before you begin the actual writing. It will save you a lot of aggravation. Whether you want to write it down and plan it out, that's up to you. <laughs> but understand, interrogate it um, and learn about your characters, learn about the world that you're stepping into it will save a lot of heartache and it will allow you the less you're thinking about plot and story and who these characters are when you're writing the more you can focus on what we were talking about earlier the craft of writing and finding the best way to um to express things um and and yeah just keep writing it's 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 amazing how many people give up hmm. and that's really what separates a published author from an unpublished author it's that determination and drive to keep going Good advice, and it's a great place to wrap up. So, Adam, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate uh, your time. I wish you the best with this new book and with all of your other ones as well. 
Um, is there a place online where you would like to direct people, maybe if they want to know more about your books, your background, or, you know, upcoming uh, releases? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at my website, which is adamhamdy.com, uh, or I'm on Twitter as Adam Hamdy. Um, and between those two places, you'll find out everything you need to know. Perfect. And also, I'd like to just thank all of our listeners. Thanks for uh, giving uh, this podcast a shot. For more info about our guests and to check out our other interviews, you can search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever it is that you might listen to your podcasts. Or you can always click to thestoryblender.com. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to receive our weekly podcasts. Tell your stories well, my friends. And always remember, the art of the story is all in the blend. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time.